Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Post Ride Cafe. I'm Sam. This is Aaron. And welcome to episode 16. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, I think this is the first week in a few weeks where I can't say that I'm tired. That's got, true. got plenty of energy. Yeah, you almost have too much. You should go ride. Uh, if it wasn't a million degrees out, I would. It's only 103. I know, but it jumped up so quick. It's hard to get, yeah. like, I think before we had those progressions, and then your body can get used to it a little bit. Yeah. I think it jumped up like 20 degrees in the in the last week. Yeah, I definitely usually do okay in the summer, especially I've noticed if I like take a break from riding and I come back in the summer, it's like really hot. Yeah. But if we just consistently ride throughout the year, like you just, you gradually get used to it and adapt. But I think you're right where it just kind of jumped up because Monday I went out riding and I was just like super hot and like just tired, you know? Yeah, it hits you. Yeah, so I, I think once we adapt, I think it'll be fine. Because I think riding in 100 degrees, it's really not a big deal if you're not going like super hard or whatever. I just felt fine. And it's in the afternoon, so the temperatures are slowly going down. I think there's something, we've talked about that before, where you know I feel it's harder to ride in the morning when it warms up than in the evening when it's cooling off. It, yeah, exactly. I was thinking about that today, although I still think I'm going to try to ride mornings, but early mornings, like 6 a.m. So oh, yeah, be sense. done by eight or nine and then it won't be a big deal yeah well before we get too far how can people find us they could find us at post ride cafe on instagram and at post ride cafe on twitter nice and i was looking at some stats dude we had fabian cancellara was listening oh yeah well someone with some from switzerland was listening oh. so i just assumed it was him it was him yeah he knows how big of a fan you are oh, and for sure. yeah so I assume a signed jersey and maybe a bike is, is in the mail. Oh, I got to send it to him? <laughs> I don't know. That seems kind of a little too forward. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was pretty cool. We had a, we're, we're super international now. We've had Canada, another Canada this week, and we had Mexico, and now we have Switzerland. So we're just, I'm going to get one of those maps and just start pinning where all of our fans are. We'll right. have like six or seven <laughs> yeah. pins used real quick. Yeah. Uh, my mom's house, <laughs> yeah. grandma's house, and then Fabian Cancellara's house. Yeah. yeah. You're like, hey, can you go on vacation and out of the country just and, and have a listen? It's true. Well, anyway, I just think it's super cool that uh, we're seeing that kind of thing. It just, I don't know. When you start these things, it's like, I don't know what to expect. And like, you know, you don't expect a lot really. And then starting to see people from other countries kind of find you and, you know, hopefully they continue to like it or whatever but just seeing it happen is just kind of really cool yeah hopefully we're getting better and better as things go along so yeah i'm really working on my ums and you knows and likes so i don't know we'll see <laughs> anyway let's get right into our strava stats of the week stats dude yeah so i wrote a you know three times today this week and i got what 76 miles and 3400 feet so you know average week for me yeah, I had uh, dipped a little bit, 134 miles and 4,200 feet. Uh, took the weekend off, kind of, went camping. Yeah. It changed things up a little bit. How was that? It was good. Like 30 degrees out at night. It was nice. cold. It was amazing. Yeah. Oh, I love being cold at night. You just add a blanket. Oh, it's nice. I had a yeah, blanket, sleeping bag. It was, it was yeah. nice, though. Well, I finally had to turn the air conditioner on here. and like. It feels good. Yeah, you know, I was trying to run a sweatshop, I guess, but it just sucks because for some reason she still has like a heavier blanket, and then she got like a, a less heavier blanket, but it's like a, I don't know, it's like some sort of material, even though it's thin, it's just hot as hell. 
I'm in, my... I'm in sheet territory. It's, oh, it's I sleep hot. on top of the sheets at this point. <laughs> like, it's too... I hate being sweaty. But Anyway, I had to turn the air on, so you guys are all welcome. Thanks, man. What was uh, your ride of the week this week? Yeah, so I went to Silent Sunday was this week. So that's, again, just to reiterate, that's a, a mountain, South Mountain here in Phoenix. Uh, every fourth Sunday they have, well, every Sunday they have Silent Sunday in the morning from 5 until 10. Yeah. So it's closed to any motorized vehicles. So it's just hiking or mountain biking or bicycling or whatever. Um, so it's a really nice way to get some climbing in and it's, the main climb in Phoenix, and so having it closed on the weekends is just a nice way to get out, and there's just, ever since they've switched to that, it's just been a lot of people on the road. Yeah, it's been good. I, I mean, I wasn't there. It's true. You went with some new friends, though, so that's yeah. Oh, nice. yeah. Made tons of friends. <laughs> but anyway, this week on the fourth Sunday of the month, it's closed the entire day. So there's not as much of a, you know, requirement to get there early enough before the cars come. So it is getting hot, so it kind of just does the same thing. Uh, I'm going to have to, next time I go to Silent Sunday, I think I'm going to have to go at like 6 or something. But nonetheless, I went with uh, one of your buddies. I just uh, stole stole your friend. But Justin and a couple of his friends came, and it was pretty cool. So two of the two of his friends that came, they've never done South Mountain before. And for one of them, he had just started riding in this year. So new to cycling and the first time he's ever really done a climb. And so I was just, I just love it. Like I love when people are new to anything, and I just like to be around and encourage because... Cycling is super fun, and just to see someone do South Mountain for the first time, it just we can all remember the first time we did, whether it's South Mountain or some big climb or whatever. Like it's just, you always remember your first. That's all I'm gonna say. No, it's true. Yeah, I remember when I went my first time. Uh, I guess we can just dive into those real quick. The first time I did South Mountain, I went with a friend, uh, and she was training for Ironman, and she was uh, just in way better condition than I was, and just wiped the floor with me and she was nice enough to like hang back but like i'm over here like high zone four close to zone five red red zone and like, she's just kind of like you know not quite zone two but like she wasn't as under as much stress as i was that's that's put it definitely that not yeah and uh but yeah it was still cool like you just don't know when it's gonna end it like i did there was i didn't know Estrava existed back then or whatever i didn't have like you know a map or any gradients or i just like went and did it um but yeah, I remember it was super fun and it was hard as hell. But my legs were on fire, but I, I still made it to the top. And it was actually my best time for like 15 or 16 attempts or something. Like it, it stood for a while because I didn't know any better. I just pushed it hard the whole time. Mine definitely did not. I had to stop on the uh, the last oh, really? steepest climb. I don't oh, know wow. if I told you this. Thing. No, no. I had to stop and like get off and then get back on. Start yeah. on an uphill gradient. I didn't walk it, but I had a I had a stop and yeah, it was tough. Yeah, I met a guy at the restroom. Uh, There's like that's like a a spot where people meet up at South Mountain outside of the restroom. This is kind of a little parking lot there and stuff. And uh, this guy had just come down, and uh, he was like, "Oh, are you going up or leaving?" And I was like, ah, "I'm just waiting for a friend. We're gonna go up." Uh, I asked him, and he was leaving, and he said he had done it three times. He did three uh, summits. And he's like, yeah, the first time I did it, he's like, I walked like two or three times. You know, he didn't even ride his bike all the way up. And so he kind of built up to being able to make it. And so yeah. I was like, good job, man. Like, I remember the first time I did it two times and then three times. Like, it's it's just fun to like, just push yourself. Yeah, because that first time you do it, 
three times seems like impossible. Like you wouldn't even consider it. No. And then now like you're just like, well, if I don't go a few times, like it doesn't seem like it's enough training for the day. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I first would go, it would be like, I would drive to South Mountain and then ride up South Mountain and come back. And it was like 12 miles. Yeah, that was my like, whole day. That was rough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, I need to eat like 18 pieces of steak or like, you know, <laughs> you just go out of your way to like binge on junk food because you worked hard. Yeah. But no, it was really cool to see them go up for the first time and just like you had said, you kind of don't remember what it was like. And so seeing people struggle and like really push themselves is like just inspiring. And like, it was just really cool to hang out and uh, A, I haven't seen Justin in a while, but just hang out with new people and see them just do something they've never done. I just thought it was really cool. Yeah, I will say you are really good about encouraging people on the bike. You're, we've talked about you're way nicer on a bike yeah. in general. And then I think because you're just out having a good time. Not that you're not yeah. nice in general. but Well, you're on just a not bike, having a good time. Yeah. yeah, on a bike, you're just more helpful. and Yeah, except if someone needs their wheel changed, I just look at them. Yeah. No, I don't know. I just, when I see people doing things outdoors, no matter if it's something even I'm not doing, if they're hiking or whatever, like, I just think it's cool that people are outside doing stuff. And so I always make sure to wave at them. Maybe it's coming back from, you know, when I was a teenager, my first car, it was a Jeep Wrangler. And so, like, it was a Jeep thing, but, like, you'd always wave at people in Jeeps. <laughs> at your Jeep buds. Yeah. yeah. And so I think I just translated that to, like, when I'm outside, I just, I wave at motorcycles, I wave at people on bikes. Uh, you know, if you're just outside doing something, I just... I think that's cool. Dude, I'll transition to my ride. When I was out riding, uh, so I went up to Flagstaff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to this campsite and real quick was out there doing some of the roads. Only person that I got away from, motorcycle guy. Yeah. was like, this guy, because I was like, he knows what's up, like doing these things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I went up there and did some camping and I had already known that spot a little bit. It's a little ways, probably like five miles off the road. And then it's just gravel roads for yeah. for days. I think it ends up being this called like Woody Mountain Road out there, and just tons of fire roads that connect forever and ever. Sure. Um, I ended up only doing it's like twenty miles or something, but it was fifteen hundred feet of climbing on it still. Yeah, I saw that. It looked like it was just a well. It always looks steeper or whatever on Strava when you're looking at it, but it like goes basically down, and then there was like a little climb, and then you turn around and go back. And then, yeah. Yeah. I also didn't want to get lost, so I was sure. like, I'm going to make all lefts, go up this thing, and then when I saw, I came to kind of, a, there was a, some signage for different directions and things you could go to, I was like, all right, this is probably pretty good, because I was getting a little bit cooked out there. It wasn't super hot, but it's just a higher altitude and everything, so That's it, true. It's like 7,000 it feet or something? Yeah, I think probably around seven. Yeah. No, that's a... It looked cool. Like, you know, your picture anyway, it was like in the woods and like, that's exactly like the type of non-road biking that I want to do. It was perfect. And you could do it, I would say on pretty much any gravelish bike or throw some, some bigger tires on a road bike even. Yeah. The only problem is there's some ruts and things like that just from people riding in the rain, um, like with their car is not, not on uh, bikes. Yeah. But if you take it easy, you you could take the descents fine. And it's not it's not a big deal. Yeah. I just thought it was cool. Like you're going through the trees. Hopefully the the, uh, the idea is I got a GoPro and I can edit that and throw a video out there of a yeah, quick cool. time lapse or something. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. No. I think you know when I whenever I would go up north and camp or something, and people would bring like quads, and I'm like, you know, if I'm not going through like 
almost like in Star Wars when they're whipping through you know, <laughs> in uh, Endor or whatever, and they're going through on the on the on the speeder bikes, like whipping through trees on left and right, like. That's the kind of like quadding or off-roading that I want to do. Like, you want like single track yeah. Star Wars quadding. Yeah, exactly. That's what I want, you know. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what I think about. And, and here in the desert, like the few places I've been, I just haven't gone enough. Like it was still fun, but I just want to be in the trees. Yeah, this is definitely the spot to go. Yeah. Well, I appreciated that you invited me. You're busy with the house, dude. <laughs> it's true. Well, on that front, since real quick, got two chickens, man. Got free eggs today. Could you have gone? No. <laughs> uh, I, I could have, but I, I probably wouldn't have, right? Uh, so it was fair not to invite me, but I can still pretend that I was upset. I mean, I came and asked you for stuff. Yeah, that's true. You came, and took, you. Yeah, you came and took my camping gear, <laughs> but didn't ask if I could go. No, um, actually, I will say, I got to play one hour of video games this week. Yeah, first time I've played video games since I moved. Diablo? You reaped some souls? No, I was playing uh, Secret of Mana on Super Nintendo. Oh. I'm one of those people. I guess so. It was fun. Anyway. But yeah, so that was your ride of the week. It was, uh, it, I was a little jealous, you know? It's like, ah, being up in the woods and all that, this looked fun. Well, I plan on going in two weeks to go somewhere else again. Cool, I'm busy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I'm getting a little. There. I'm getting a little less busy. Now that we got kind of things settled, um, I got some mulching done and put some mulch down, so hopefully my weeding in the next, I think, give me two years, I think we're <laughs> going to have this thing pretty set up. But uh, what was else I was going to say something? I don't know. I can't remember at this point. Anyway, I'll, I'll remember in the middle of some other thing we're talking about as usual. Perfect timing. Yeah. Uh, let's get into some... There's a little bit of cycling news I want to talk about. Uh, first thing, real quick, was the Rauvi Digital Swiss 5, which was supposed to be uh, like five stages from the Tour de Swiss. They had it on the Rauvi uh, platform instead of like... Zwift or Be Cool, and I had mentioned this a few podcasts ago, and I was interested to see how it would look in comparison to Be Cool. Be Cool kind of, everyone knows Zwift. Zwift doesn't seem to run a lot of races, but Be Cool had that what, virtual tour to Flanders and some other things, and yeah. so we had watched that, and I had thought it was Zwift the whole time, uh, because it <laughs> looks very Zwift-like, so I, I didn't even know Be Cool was a thing, but I was like, I remember saying on the podcast, like, I wonder... A, like, Be Cool went out first in this, you know, pandemic time. I was like, we're going to have a, a virtual stage. And so a lot of people tuned in. And so I was like, I wonder how Rauvi, knowing in, like, four weeks they're going to have their own series, what are they going to learn from this experience? Because in some aspects it was good. They had some good commentators or whatever. And then you got to see the riders on their bikes and their house or wherever they're training, you know. But the transitions from when they're looking at the camera and when they're or the, the quote-unquote race footage, and when they're looking at the writer, was clunky, and some yeah. of the, the commentating was a little rough. So I was like, it'd be interesting to see how Ravi does. A, one of the things that sets Ravi apart from Be Cool is they use overlaid, like, real um, footage. So they have a car with a, you know, basically a giant GoPro, and they're just driving around. So it's just not as cartoony. But I will say, looking at some of the races, it kind of looked a little cartoony anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think that's when you have a digital little avatar guy on there, it, it's not going to quite come off realistic, but I do think it's better to watch. Yeah. It, it just gives you a little more of that realistic race feel if you're having a commentator there. And the one that you had showed me a little bit of the clip of, I didn't get to watch the races really, and it was hard to find coverage anyway. It was hard to find coverage. Um, 
but it it seemed to engage you a little bit um i guess they're trying to get elements of watching a real race is is really like you know how close can we get to that yeah and i think in some aspects they did uh like you said it looks better one of the funny things about it is since they're recording you know just actual live footage at, at some point when they recorded this stuff and created their database there's just like cars going the other direction so it's a little bit weird when you're on your bike and you just see a car or a motorcycle drive by you're like i hope they're all right yeah it's so it's a little bit weird but uh one thing that is still hard to emulate on video on like video as opposed to real life is camera angles like you're kind of in this fixed camera position yeah and when you're on like a motor cam or whatever there's a little bit of sway on the camera and it's not locked in and so it's a little bit off-putting to to kind of watch yeah, and then I guess as far as the racing itself, I was just remembering, I think I'm remembering this correctly, one of the big things, and I think someone said it took Swift a long time to figure out, is drafting. Yeah. And drafting, I don't think that's in the algorithm for the Ravi at all. Yeah, they either they don't have it at all or they disabled it, but I read somewhere that it wasn't going to be in these races. And I think that's a big part of why we're seeing the results that we're seeing from the guys that we're seeing basically just time trialists winning yeah you mean the people who actually do work yeah so is that why michael matthews didn't win <laughs> he didn't have anybody to draft off of what yeah. is he supposed to do he's like can we can we get patch me in a little draft handicap yeah um yeah exactly no that was we talked about this a little bit where if the results are just going to be basically time trialists really hard to just watch that for five days well and it's it's hard to call it you know a stage race when it's the same thing over and over again yeah i mean and these guys i didn't see all of it um but i know i think stefan kung like putting out nine watts per kilo like i don't know how long he's holding that but it doesn't seem realistic in real life none no one's holding nine watts per kilo yeah. it could just been a jump but I saw Michael Matthews on that coverage was almost doing nine watts per kilo as well. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it just kind of goes back to that these are good for what they are and maybe they're just a starting point too, but it's, it's just not real racing. Yeah. Well, I think it is a starting point and they're always like any, like, I mean, look at Nintendo or Atari or whatever and look at PlayStation 4. Like it's going to get better. So if this is the worst that's going to be, like it's in a good spot, but right now it is tough to watch if it's just Stefan Kuhn and Rohan Dennis winning races because they don't really win that much. Like time trials for sure, but yeah, in a, in a quote-unquote stage race, it's just hard They're to watch. They're not sprinting away from sprinters and apparently one of the best sprinters too, Michael Matthews. So, so he is said. one of the best classic sprinters, like I said on the TV. So. Yeah. But yeah, overall, I think it was better than Be Cool, but there's this kinks to work out. I don't know. Did anyone else watch it? I, I, I could barely find coverage. It looked like on the Reddit thread, it's easy to find coverage in Europe, but that's the case for everything. Very true. Well, another thing real quick is, I think it's a pretty big piece of news, is Dekunik extended their sponsorship. So it's one of those things where every year or every couple of years, whenever their, their sponsors are kind of up on their, their time, it seems like Dekunik Quickstep has a hard time, or it appears to be, a hard time getting a sponsor like they're always about to close and so seeing them extend especially when you're seeing teams right now talking about canceling sponsorships or or other things seeing Dakunik step up and just extend is is a good sign 
especially for quick step they're the a they're the the team with the most wins and they win the top team every single year and if they have a hard time finding a sponsor long term it's not really good for everyone else yeah i think it, it's kind of at least a positive for cycling in general where people are having questions about it right now that all right at least the you know the best team or best classics team or the most winning team they're getting sponsorship so we can we can at least say that this is going to survive or yeah well i mean i think cycling is going to survive i just think who knows what it's going to look like in a year but i think it's still going to be around it's like anything else but yeah it is good to see it and it's just sort of it's just one of those topics where I don't know enough because I'm not involved, but it just seems like something could be done to make the long-term aspects of these teams more feasible by either sharing revenue or, or whatever else, because right now it doesn't seem to be set up to, to flourish. No, and yeah, I don't know about what that takes either, because it's not the same as other sports at all, and it's not the same in the sense that you can't charge admission fees and things like that. Yeah. Because it's all over the road. Like, you just stand on the road and, you know, you can have a little VIP section, but yeah, that's not going to be the same amount of money that you would get from 50,000 people in a football stadium or something. Yeah, at the at the start of the finish, you have those events and they have, I know Colorado tried to make him like a concert and all this stuff and trying to get people to come and, yeah, it's just tough. I don't know, that's, a, that's honestly a topic that we could just do a whole show on because it's a topic I... I don't know much about and I'll probably just spout my opinion, which is worth about nothing, but I just wish they did a little bit more somehow. I mean, real quick caveat, just to lightly touch, I think they should just have, at least in the, in the United States, just have more coverage like NBC Sports where you pay 50 bucks a year to watch coverage. Yeah, I'd be 100% open to it. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I just think that's minimum what they should do here because there's not enough racing here and I get that network doesn't want to pay for the rights, but if you have... Um, what's the name of that damn YouTube channel? GCN. Like, they started picking up stages and stuff, and so really unfortunate timing for them, but they, they were starting that path, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, I, I agree. with. I mean, somebody putting putting their neck out there a little bit to, to change something. Yeah, props to them. I, I started following them on YouTube, so whatever that means. Dude, speaking of changes, what's going on in Italy? Yeah, so they are lifting the outdoor sporting activity ban starting May 4th. Unless something changes, yeah, they're going to allow people to go outside and do stuff. Hike, ride bikes. So as far as we're concerned, we're obviously concerned about cycling. So we're going to be able to see athletes get back on their bikes. Yeah, well, they, I mean, that was a big complaint. And my people are, Rohan is breaking rules of, you know, to go outside and ride. Because everyone is like, I, you know, I don't want to sit on a trainer for six hours. Yeah. You know, they're... Their workloads are, are not the same as ours. You yeah. know, if it's an, an hour a day or two hours a day for us, six is a huge difference. Oh, for sure. And I, I think we all can relate with either we live with people or we know people that have been, um, you know, in the, in the U.S. we've only been on a, a quasi-lockdown for two months. And here in Arizona, we can still go outside and hike. So we're lucky in that regard. They encouraged it. <laughs> yeah, mean, that's also said true. They said they're like, go out and enjoy the outdoors. But even here, where we can actually go outside, it's just amazing to see how many people are just, like, waiting to go do something. Like, you know, so it's like, yeah. I couldn't imagine being in a place that's, like, you can't even leave your house. So um, I'm happy to see that, and it's good It's good news, for sure. So I think it's good for Italy, and it's definitely good for professional cyclists. Yeah. 
So I, I think, you know, with that, we can kind of get into what we were going to talk about. They can train, we can train, recover, recovery, and training. Yeah, let's, let's, let's wrap up the last couple of weeks. We had touched on both of these topics, and we kind of wanted to just rehash them a little bit and see, now that we've talked about them, we've kind of, I went out and tried a few of them, and we kind of just talk about what we what our takeaways are. Yeah, so I think for myself, I wanted to look at that because I had kind of proposed a few things just to listeners and then to myself of, all right, I'm going to, I had been on this five week plan or five uh, rides a week plan. Can I throw uh, like a zone one spin training day in there? And, you know, kind of becomes six days a week. And for me, uh, that just didn't work. It was, I don't know if it was the week. uh, I don't know if it was just too much, but I really need those two, two rest days a week. The where I'm on Monday and Friday off, I'll still do a lot of stretching in there and yoga and things like that, but nothing on the legs themselves, especially because I think Sunday is always the biggest day and just another day of riding after that. Even, I think it was 10 or 15 miles or something I did at real low heart rate. It was too much. Yeah. I actually had the same thing, which is kind of strange because I'm like the biggest fan of Zone 2 there ever was. So I did the same thing where I did uh, we did that huge... I think for me, it was really just the ride we had done that Sunday, that uh, 60 miles around Fountain Hills, all the climbing and the wind. I think that one is in particular was just such a strenuous day for my activity level that the next day, like even trying to ride Zone 1 was just brutal. So... I think for me, I still kind of maintain that. I like to, I like to do that anyway, um, but I don't have the same training schedule as you do, obviously. And I think in your case, if you're going to ride five days a week, taking two off, and and you're not sitting on the couch, like you you have what's commonly referred to as active recovery. So you're stretching and you're walking around, like you're not like just laying on the couch. So I think for you, I think it makes perfect sense. Yeah, and maybe all I need for that spin is kind of how we had been doing that last mile or two or so spin out at the end of a big ride or any ride in general. Uh, So I I think that's a a major takeaway and also that any of these plans are kind of suggestions and also they can be adjusted for ourselves and for anybody just based on what you're trying to accomplish and based on how the week's looking. If you do a 100-mile ride, you don't need to go throw another three days in there just because you got to hit four days this week. Yeah. Take the time. If you need to recover, recover because pushing yourself further is, is not going to help. Well, one thing I, I failed at miserably in terms of recovery was my chocolate milk. So we had talked about chocolate milk as being a good recovery drink and I'm sure it is. The problem was I just drank it before I even rode my bike. So what happened? <laughs> you didn't share it. I know that. <laughs> no, for sure. Well, I just drink it straight from the carton at that point. It's like, I claim it. It's mine. Um, but what happened was either I would ride from work, and then it's a 30, 40-minute drive home, and so it's kind of too late. And I'll still have a chocolate milk when I get home, but then it's like I'll go out in the yard and do a bunch of work, and I'm kind of sweaty, and I come in, I'm like, I need some recovery chocolate milk for this. <laughs> and so then, like, today I got home, and I didn't have – shit in the house for recovery i think i had like some macadamia nuts and like a peanut butter pretzel like i had nothing in the house to for recovery 
And I was like, I don't want to eat another waffle or whatever. So I think I just had water. I, I had water. That was pretty much it. So yeah, so I kind of ruined that one. I was really looking forward to having chocolate milk, and I, I messed it up. Uh, it's all right, man. It's too delicious. But uh, kind of the other thing we want to touch on that we didn't as much before in the the training and recovery uh, was a little bit of cadence work, which you can also use as a recovery tool or during your normal ride. And kind of the whole point of it is to put less stress on your legs and more on your cardiovascular system so that if you're doing four days, five days, a race, whatever it is, you can recover from that rather than just putting out max effort, you know, 60 RPMs and just really tearing up your legs. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a time where you're doing 60 RPMs and that's all you can do, but you don't want to be going out and pushing through that your whole ride or if it's a windy ride, I'll just back off on the power and spin a little bit more just because I know it's going to tire me out a lot yeah. more than a normal ride would. Yeah, definitely. I think you see that a lot in um, some of the stuff I read in like weightlifting where you have like total amount of weight lifted for your session. So it takes, you know, if you're doing bench press and you're doing, you know, whether it's 215 or 305 or 115 or whatever, like whatever your total amount of weight you did reps for. So if you're doing something heavy, you'll do less reps and get to, let's just say, 10,000 pounds total lifted. Mm -hmm. But if you do a lot less weight and do 20 or 30 reps, you're still getting to 10,000 pounds, you know? So it's true. It's kind of the same mentality. So you can just, you're doing less amount of weight at a time, but you're doing more reps in a sense. So um, in the end, you're still getting in the same speed. Just how you go about doing it is two different things. Yeah, and with everything and, and always, it's it's about the variety and throwing mm -hmm. a, another training tool, another piece of variation and kind of your playbook that you can do that high you know high cadence work and do say um, we have a few here like a high high cadence recovery day where you are using it like your standard recovery workout but you're just spinning a little higher and not putting that same power and maybe going out 30 minutes or an hour still like in zone one zone two but you're at 90 plus RPMs on that. Oh yeah, and then you what, spin up every once in a while into the 105 plus to 120. You know? Yeah. Well, for me, the reason I like these, I use these pretty frequently and in the sense that I like to get like muscle confusion. So if I'm always doing 90 RPMs, then I want to sometimes do lower and sometimes I want to go super high. And what happens, you know, when we first both started doing like high RPM training, high cadence, you're kind of a little bouncy, you know? You reach your limit of what you're, what you can control. And so I try to build that up. And so I'll do, oh, I'm going to do 110 for this segment. Like if I'm on a, a section where I know it's like 1% gradient or something and it's really consistent, all right, I'm going to, all right, I'm going to peg it at this many RPMs and see if I can hold it the whole time. And uh, part of that just helps build that control of not being as bouncy at those high RPMs. Because you watch professionals and they're doing like 130, 140, and like, not a problem at all, you know? Yeah, smooth, I mean, smoothing out the pedal stroke is, is always good, and the same thing, like, especially another one, like, if you're going downhill, and, I mean, you can spin out 120, 130, or something like that, and I'm sure a lot of people even more. Yeah. You're going to be all over the place, and, and that goes back to, you know, having good form, and 
and everything else where you're being the most efficient as you can. So if, if you can do this cadence work just in your training, then when you get to in a situation like that, you're going to start noticing the difference and then you're going to go a little faster and you're a little less stress and it all kind of compounds in there and it's, I mean, that's the whole point. You're just getting better at, yeah. at when you do all these things. Well, like I said, I think it's the muscle confusion, you know. Same thing with weightlifting or anything. It's just doing something slightly different because your body is not stupid, you know, and it goes, oh, I'm used to doing this and it, and it trains your muscles for that particular thing. So if you do the same thing all the time, you're going to reach a plateau. So you have to adjust and trick your body a little bit. So if, even if you go on an extra 15 RPMs, like it, your body just craps its pants. It doesn't know, it doesn't know, it doesn't know <laughs> yeah. what you're doing, you know? And so you're hitting your muscles a little different way. And so I, I think it's huge. Same thing with like standing while climbing and like all these things where I used to be like, wow, standing means you're too tired, you know? But it's like, no, it's a whole other training technique because when you get to high gradients, sometimes you just have to stand, so... Well, yeah, and you're using that, you're like, all right, because I'm always on the fence about, like, do I get up and over this as quick as possible to have use less energy in a way, or do you sit and then just try to ride it out and use less energy in that way because you're not pushing your body as hard? But if it takes twice as long, you know, are you pushing your body that hard? Yeah. So, yeah, on, the, on our show notes, we're going to have a link to this uh, guy, this a couple of these little training ideas. So the first one was like doing a high cadence recovery, um, kind of a real quick, kind of the same thing we just talked about, but on a regular ride, doing high cadence riding and then sprinkling in, you know, higher RPMs. But this is not in a zone two level. You're, you're a little bit above that, right? Yeah, that would be like on your normal ride, maybe one hour, two hours, three hours, but you're you're doing that the majority of the time and you're just riding in that style rather than, 80 or you know whatever you're doing it just that becomes your ride for that week and and then you could have a different you know an 80 rpm right after that just to mix it up yeah now the one caveat i would assume i don't do them but if you're going to be training for a time trial you probably want to just maintain a certain rpm because <laughs> you want to get locked in the zone but i think just in general it's always good to sprinkle in higher rpms just to not be as bouncy because you don't know when you're going to come into a point where you're stuck in that gear you know whether you're trying to chase onto a group or you're going on a, a windy or a, not a windy, but like a, a curvy, you know, road or a descent where you don't really feel comfortable switching gears or something, or it's a only for a short time. Like you have to be comfortable at riding at those high uh, cadences. Yeah. And I mean, then, you know, when you want to be a super sprinter, you got to hit that too. So yeah, well, I, I want to be, which neither sprinter. of us are. So I'm like a sprinter's body more than I have a climber's body. Like I just, I want to be a climber so bad more fun i mean i was kind of bummed because that, that that guy that rode south mountain today for the first time i was talking to him about his like height and weight and stuff and he's like an inch or so shorter than me and has like like 10 or 15 pounds lower than i've ever been i'm like man i want to get down to that like that'd be nice like i could climb so much better i mean the ab challenge is ongoing so it's true if you hit that maybe get there man get there i had to turn my air conditioner on i was gonna just sweat it off <laughs> I don't know if it works like that. It doesn't. <laughs> it's just water. Let's see, what was this? There's one more here, uh, cadence intervals. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know much about this one. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the same. I think that applies with any other interval work. This one in particular was three by ten minutes with a five-minute recovery in between. So you're spinning up hmm. 100, 110 for that ten-minute effort 
oh. recovering, and then doing that again. I think I might try that. So one of the rides before I rode today, and that was my ride of the week, I actually did a, um, a intervals like we had talked about the week before. And I was like, what's nice about talking about these things, it's like, like oh, yeah, I forgot about intervals. I need to get those back in because they are useful. Yeah. Uh, building that little spike power and kind of building up from there. And so I went out and did some intervals on Tuesday, I think. And I got like eight or nine in, and I just wanted to throw up. <laughs> but the ones I did were like 30 seconds on, and then one minute off. And then 30 seconds on, one minute off. So this is a little different, but 10 minutes at a, a higher RPM, and then back it off. Like, I, I kind of like that. Yeah, I think the other week I had done, just because I was getting like a little bit of good tailwind in a few sections, I was doing, I did like two or three just of, of length so they're like a mile and a half or so each mm -hmm. and just kind of all out for a mile and a half that's i mean that's why segments work for me because i'm looking i'm like all right i'm just gonna go as hard as i can yeah sure that and makes you know sense. obviously i was i was trying to do that one up lake pleasant and got caught with a light of course every time i was like i would have gotten i would have gotten top 10 if i didn't hit that light but it's impossible try harder all I gotta say. Well, if I would have got there quicker, I would have just been in more of the red light. So I was like, yeah, I would have had it gone a lot harder. But well, you said it. That's true. Could have gone a lot harder. But what? and then the last kind of thing that I wanted to look at was something a little different. Um, but there's a plugin for your web browser. They have it, I think, on Chrome and Firefox and Opera. And they're looking to make a standalone pro, um, application. It's called Elevate. Super cool. It pulls data from your Strava and breaks it down just in really like nice graphics. It has things like a year progression. If I think to get the most out of it, you'd wear, want to wear a heart rate monitor because that will give you, I know Strava will say, like if you have the premium, it'll say, you know, 24 hours recovery. But this will kind of give you form, your current form, your current fatigue level. Um, you could put in your height and weight and get everything. I don't know. I think it's it's an awesome amount of yeah. data on there. And it's just kind of like graphically pleasing visually if, if you're into that as well. So I'll have a link for that. And I think it's it's awesome. And even when you go on the, the main Strava, like so if you're looking at your ride, every segment that you have, it will show you of that ride. So say you were 10 seconds faster than your previous best time, then it'll show you how much faster or slower you are than the KOM, and it will show you percentage, so you're in the top 3% worldwide and I kind of use that also as a training tool. So it's like, okay, for me and personally, like anything that could be considered a climb, I want to be in the top 10%. Yeah. Anytime, anytime that I do a climb. So I use that like as a goal. So if I'm 12 or whatever, try anything I could do to bring it down. And so mm -hmm. it's yeah, just I'm another training tool. And I think it's, it's awesome. I don't use the heart rate monitor enough, so it <laughs> yeah. would it would help a lot to tell me my fatigue level where I'm just kind of going on feel. This will let me know and maybe force me to to relax a little bit. Well, yeah. My question to you is why don't you wear a heart rate monitor? 
I feel like to me it well I don't want to see when my heart rate jumps obviously but sure. no to me like I think it it distracts me too much where where I'm looking at it and I'm like okay I'm at 145 like I don't want to go above this and there's little spots where it is going to jump up like a climb comes up and then I'm like well if I don't want to go over 145 this climb is going to put me over that so do I have to slow down yeah. or it kind of goes back into where I'm like should I just sit down and just kind of pace myself and go over this or should I stand up bring it up to 170 real quick mm-hmm. and then recover on the way down sure that's interesting because I actually had the exact issues when I was doing my training this week uh, but real quick what I was going to say is you can just wear it but not have it show up on your screen right so that's you, true. you can at least get the data I guess is my point that's probably a lot smarter yeah. maybe I'll start <laughs> doing that yeah so you don't have to see it but you can at least have it for your thing but, but yeah to me that's the problem for yeah for me so yeah I would just take it off your screen and just don't have it show up so that's my solution. But what I was going to say is I had that exact problem because I was almost debating on whether it was like worth getting a power meter in a sense. Because what happens for me is if I'm trying to do zone two or something and there's a slight rise or whatever, it's a lot harder to maintain, you know, under 150 or something because you kind of bump up and then you're like, you're trying to get it back down and you slow way down. And so I was almost like, it makes sense to be like, all right, I'm going to do 150 watts today. And that's my power right and yeah. so that's 150 watts is 150 watts whether you're downhill flat or up right so yeah, it's just a lot easier with wind too which you know you don't yeah. get get that as a factor into how strava estimates your power you don't know if, you, if you're in 15 mile per hour headwind and you're going eight it, it looks like you're not doing much yeah so that would be the only reason i'd want to get one it's just really hard to justify it especially for someone like me that rides three days a week but um, I will say this app is pretty cool. I used it for a while when I was actually riding a lot more consistently and when I could afford Prava, uh, Strava Premium. <laughs> I, I, I can't afford four ninety five a month right now for Summit or whatever. I was going to say just kind of between the two of these things and, and back to the kind of cadence, the one thing with the heart rate monitor, uh, I feel like it's you can try to cheat it, the system, where where you go and you're like, okay, I'm trying to stay in zone two, but then your cadence drops because you're trying not to bring elevate your heart sure. rate. So it's just another thing where it's it's me personally where mm-hmm. like I have to have my stats at whatever level, but it's like, all right, well, I, I want to be spinning at 90 plus all the time, but I want to be going this speed, but I don't want my heart rate this high. It's like, well... You're just not that good to do all that well, stuff. Well, what you can do is you can get an e-bike. <laughs> yeah. And then you can just click it up and down That's as true. you need. No, that is a fair point. Like the RPMs, like your cadence dropping to lower your heart rate. Like I definitely didn't realize it, but I'm probably doing that. So instead of clicking down a gear or something, I'll just lower my cadence where I'd probably be better off clicking a gear and maintaining my cadence. Yeah, where I feel like it, it ends up being kind of cheating your yourself a little bit and cheating on your ride where... You're saying, I'm going to stay at 140, and you're like, well, you can, but yeah. now you've put more fatigue into your legs because you are pushing a harder gear than you really want to just to keep a, a specific heart rate number. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, I've kind of lowered it. I used to like try to push the edge of zone two and like at the top, and then I'm like, well, what if I just brought it more towards the center? You know, So then it's less of a concern when you're hitting those things. You could go you know, like me and two into that Elevate app, and you can you set your 
your zone rating and you know zone two becomes 160 and then you're always, <laughs> everything's you're, zone two yeah, yeah. i <laughs> no, know that's the one thing i've never bad. done is uh <laughs> set my zones but uh i i did them at one point i haven't i think i back. just set it based on like my max heart rate and then yeah. it, it did it filled in all the rest mm -hmm. so i just was like well this is the highest that i've seen on one of my rides so yeah my, my max heart rate's gone pretty shit I, I don't know if i just don't push myself anymore which is probably true because I can still get into the 180s, but it's very rare for me to get above like 175 these days. Unless I'm, but I also just don't have a reason to go balls to the wall. You know, I'm not really trying to be a PR king right now. So I mean, as long as you can be a pullout king and start, yeah, giving me more domestique work, then we're good. Exactly. Well, cool. That um, I think that about buttons up this episode. Does that wrap it up. It does. Oh, well. Yeah. Till next week. All right, have a good one. See ya. See ya. All right. This is our first ever post-podcast segment. I wanted to do a quick surprise quiz for you. Yeah, you told me there was going to be a surprise and then a surprise quiz, but you've given me no information. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. going to be bad. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I used to listen to a few other podcasts, and they would do these things where they would, like, try to, the host would try to stump um, his co-host. And I was like, man, it'd be, just be really cool if I could find something that I could do that with, and um, I think I, I've found something. So what we're going to do in the next few weeks is I want to talk about and do episodes that have a focus on pro teams and one team each week, roughly speaking. We kind of break down what the team is, etc. So in that spirit, I wanted to say, you know, next week we're going to start with the 18th pro team as far as points, right? So the worst performing world tour team. So in the honor of that, I wanted to see how many people on this team you could name. Oh, man. So this is, do you know the team? Is it? NTT or? Ding, ding. So you got one out of one so far. Uh, yeah, how many members of NTT can you name? Are we talking current? Yeah, current year. Oh, man. Let's see. I think they have Bonifacio. I don't know. I got to look it up. <laughs> I'm, I have it on my screen They right have Campanards. They do have him. I don't see uh, Bonifacio on here. So. No? No. Is that his first name? No, it's his last name. Yeah, I don't see him on here. So yeah, that, that one's not right. But you got Campanarts. That's good. Oh, who was their other sprinter that was winning a lot this year? Right? That's that's who I thought that was. Yeah. Um, oh, man. This is this is bad. Yeah. So I'll give you a clue. It's his, his last name starts with an N. Oh, it's Nizzolo. Yep. Good. All right. So that's two. I'm mostly concerned about the main, you know, five, six, seven riders. Oh, man. I'm bad at these. I know. So this guy is a new recent addition. I think he was on Bahrain Merida. And he was in a car accident. Oh. And I really love... He's an awesome domestique for... Uh... It's not one of the Izagiris, is it? No, no. Uh-uh. He was almost going to retire because of this car accident. I know. I can't remember his name, though. His first name starts with a D. Oh, it's... um. Uh, Pozzo Vivo. Yes, Dominico Pozzo Vivo. Ah, he's just a, he's fun to watch, man. He's a great writer. Yeah, I um, feel like he went off that one, him and Nibali, I think he was supposed to like domestique for Nibali in um, mm -hmm. that Il Lombardia, maybe. I don't know if, 
that the one that's in the, the autumn classic, and I think he yeah, either won or. But anyways, I'm just trying to stall. Yeah. All right. So I want to say so. This one you should get. Uh, he is like their team's previous best hope for the Tour de France. Oh, do they have a... Um... What, what kind of team were they before? What was their uh, sort of... I guess they were a classics team. No, no, like their um, sort of host nation. Oh, Louis Minkies? Is yeah. he still on that team? Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know. Um, all right, that's good. So one, a couple more here. Um, this is a recent addition to their team, and he was on Astana. Oh, uh, dude has a blonde beard. Yeah. Uh, same name as my brother. If you even know my brother's name. Sam? <laughs> Sam is your brother? <laughs> um, that's his first name. Anyway. Yeah. I can't even think of your brother's name. You can't put me on the spot like this. I know. Anyway, his last name starts with a V. I don't know. Michael Balgren. Michael Balgren. Your brother's name is Michael? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I knew that. I, you at probably all. didn't, but that's cool. Uh, all right, two more, two more that you're gonna get. Uh, you already got Campanarts. Uh, oh, I guess you can get this one too. He is an American, and he was the. I think he was the U.S. champion a few years. Orbas? No. Sort of like the K.O.M. of names. From Boulder, I think. K.O.M. of names. Mm. I thought he retired. I don't know. Ben King. Oh. All right, two more. He is... Ooh, what nationality is he? I don't know. Um, he is... He was going to be the next big Grand Tour guy and never quite made it. He was a... a he was, used to be a road captain for Saxel Bank. Oh, um... Corey Sager. Yep. And then last one here. It's pretty depressing. Um, he is the second in line of Tor Hushov. Oh, um, I was thinking. Of, um, I was thinking of him earlier. Is he Ben something? No. No. Um, you can see him. He almost won so many tour sprints. I know. I'm blanking on his name. He has two last names. Uh, starts with a B. Well, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Ben and then then. H. B and H. Sort of like an ice cream. <laughs> so bad at this. <laughs> You're actually doing pretty good. Uh, Bosenhagen. Oh. Yeah. All right. So that's all of the NTT. I wanted to follow up. I, I was going to do like four or five of these, but I don't know if we have time for all that. Not after how bad I was. But the rest of these were like more common teams. So you take your pick. You can do... Quick step, EF Pro Cycling or Bora Hands Group? Uh, we'll go EF. All right. I got it up. So whenever you're ready, how many of these guys can you name? The whole team? Yeah. Oh. Not the whole team, but how many, like... Oh, I didn't know it was the same thing. It's the same thing. I just want to see how many of these guys you can name on the team. There's a lot of people that you know, but... Um, um, so, let's see. Seth Benmark. Uh, Betty All. Uh-huh. Alberto. Um... Uh, TJ still on there? Dude, TJ. He's actually reinvigorated on that team. I'll give him that. Yeah. Um, do they still have Lachlan Morton? Yep. God, 
I just, I just saw a picture. His face is hair, though. I like <laughs> um, we have so many people on this team. I know. Finney's gone. Mm, they picked up a bunch of people, too. Um, they picked up that guy from, from like, Yamba Visma. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, bad with names, man. I thought you'd be a lot... Uh, I thought so, too. I th- you're a lot better at this than I am. Uh, I think just being on the spot is a little tough. He said that uh, ketones taste like gin and tonic. Was that him? I don't know. Anyway, he was the one that couldn't do the training. That they wanted him to train and, and be like low, oh, low yeah, yeah. keto. I, I know who it is. I just can't remember uh, his name. Nielsen Palace. Oh, uh, yeah. All right. So another one. I think oh, Hagita. There's a lot on here you're missing. but uh, I was like yeah. all the, the Colombian folks. <laughs> Colombian folks. Yep. Yeah, so Hagita. Uh, the other one, um, their main Colombian, Danny Martinez, um, or Danny Martinez. Martinez? Yeah. What yeah. do they say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other one, the big one, the one that like won a stage oh, in the big one. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Some of these guys are di- oh, an Australian. Oh, um, Simon Clark. Yep. You're also forgetting the Canadian. Oh yeah, Michael Woods. Yep. Uh, let's see. I'm telling you, I'm bad on the spot, dude. Hey, you're doing all right. Uh, he was on Astana as a classics writer and moved over. That's who I was thinking of, the other mm-hmm. guy. Yeah, this is the guy with the beard. Um, Last name starts with a C. Oh, it's uh, Court a, Nielsen or uh, Magnus Court. Yeah, I was going to say, he has like a world's strongest man name, Magnus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. I think you can get two more. Real skinny British dude. Oh, Hugh, Hugh Carthy. Yeah, that dude is rails. Just just all, like, <laughs> arms and limbs and lips. The dude has really big lips, too. <laughs> well, he's like Chris Froome at the end of the Tour de France, but at the beginning of the Tour de France. Yeah. Uh, and I think, is this guy the American national champion? Mm. Oh, is it? I don't have to click on that. I can't, I think it is. Um, Pretty sure it is. Yeah. I can't think. Alex House. Alex House. Okay. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Uh, like I said, I knew you would, if I give you clues, you're going to get most of them, but yeah. I would, I just figured, um, in general, you're better at this because you watch a lot more coverage than I do. You would think. But Here we are. Yeah. Uh, well, that was our first ever, uh, you know, surprise quiz challenge, and uh, I'm Got looking forward to finding quiz some next more. next week, yeah. I don't know about next week, but every time I, I, I feel <laughs> the need, I, I want to pop one on here. So. All right. All right, that's it. See you guys. See ya.